This is the RTE Lyric FM Leaving Cert Music Podcast, a series breaking down the Leaving Cert Music exam. Joined by second level music teachers Ethel Glancy and Mary McFadden, we'll bring you lots of discussion, pointers for you to consider and suggestions on how you can get your mind exam ready. In this episode, we look at Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. So, manuscripts out, music scores open. And let's get started. Ethel, Mary, we're back again. And this time we are talking Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. So everyone, before we start... You should know that every set work comes up. So the first four questions on the listening paper will focus on each of the set works. So, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Tell me about it. Ethel, far away. Okay, so Bohemian Rhapsody was composed by Freddie Mercury and performed and recorded over three weeks with his band Queen in 1975. The single itself includes Brian May's orchestral style guitar playing And what's really important about this piece, it's full of studio experimentation with lots of processing effects or recording and production techniques. And this is why the full piece could never really be performed live. So what Queen did was they made a promotional film which featured a live stage performance and then the compositing headshots of the band to reflect the reverb and the multi-layering of the voices used in the operatic section of the song. This was the first rock single to include operatic style singing and the film itself for the single established that whole phenomenon of a rock video. The album itself, it comes from the album Night at the Opera and Freddie went to art college and he actually studied art and clothes design so he actually designed the logo that you'll see on the cover of the album Night at the Opera and this is the logo that becomes the Queen logo for all time. The logo very cleverly combines the zodiac signs of all four members of the band and it would be important for you to know the four members So the two lions are for the two Leos, uh, i.e. John Deacon and Roger Taylor. The crab uh, for cancer with Brian May on guitar and the fairies for Virgo is Freddie himself. Now, everyone always really enjoys studying this work, but it's so important to understand the title itself rhapsody from a musical context so as we know so I've like if you were to google or go to a dictionary and look up a definition for the word rhapsody there's four or five of them there but that's not referring to the music when you know that a rhapsody as a musical form is a single movement work that is episodic and what I mean by that is episodic is which it has distinct groups of musical ideas when you know that It's a one movement work. It has those episodes. It's free flowing in structure and features a range of highly contrasting moods that will really help you to position your learning inside the different sections then of the work. And what are the key areas to focus on when you're studying for this um, work in the exam? So as Ethel mentioned already, the structure is free flowing in a rhapsody, but it would still be good to have some overarching ideas of what the whole structure is. So there are different styles of music, such as ballad, operatic and rock. You'd need to have a good look at the different recording techniques. 
all the musical features, all the terminology and language associated with work, with this work. Remember, this is not a simple task of just mm-hmm. learning off definitions because for most students, the score they use to study this work is a piano vocal score. It is imperative that you trust your ear more than your eye and listen out for the things like the little guitar motifs or the riffs that are definitely not included in the score you're working from. So really the examination is is based on the recording. Yeah, that's it's a really good point. Recording. Yeah. I think maybe we should listen to that because it's it's a really important one. Absolutely. Nothing really matters to Therefore, you just have to get this music now on your ear, understand the language and all the definitions, but more importantly, be able to hear those features in the music and discuss how they're used when you're answering in the exam. A lot of students might just make the mistake, uh, I know Queen, that's an easy one, I'll get that done in no time. But believe it or not, there's quite a lot going on and really does demand a practised ear to hear all of the bits and the pieces that are happening in the track. As with all six questions on this paper, when answering a question on an excerpt you've just listened to, you must write your answer specifically referencing the music played in that excerpt. However, because this is a rhapsody, for some parts of the exam question, it would be really important that you're able to compare and discuss other features of the style in the work. And a tip here is to maybe lay out a grid comparing the vocal features, the recording techniques and the features of the accompaniment across all the different sections. Earlier on, you talked about that musical structure Mm -hmm. of a rhapsody Mm -hmm. and of this particular rhapsody. Mm -hmm. How important is it to have, you know, a real awareness of the structure and what is going on and when it's going on? Knowing the structure of any piece of music, of any work, is always helpful when trying to organise your learning into manageable chunks. However, one thing with the with the Bohemian Rhapsody is there are many varying thoughts out there and a definitive labelling of these sections. So what we would suggest is trust what you've learned in your classroom, trust what your music teacher has done with you and go with whatever labelling that that you have learned together. Be reassured that the State Examinations Commission, the SEC, are very familiar with all of the variations of labelling. So use what you have learned from your teacher. And and I suppose really and truly, Sive, at the end of the day, the labelling is really only there to help you organise your thoughts. In, in fact, it is much more important that when you're talking about a particular section that you're able to discuss the features and demonstrate your understanding of the music or style of that section. So, for example, say the question was playing too late, my time has come. You know that section, the mm-hmm. second verse there. Some people might call this the main song. Others, you heard me there say it, verse two. Others might call it section B. You know, the labelling is not which is is not important. And all of those labels are acceptable. What is really more important that you're able to say it's a pop ballad or it's a ballad. And, and more importantly, maybe give two or three reasons as to why you believe it's a ballad. So structure is really, really important. And Mary mentioned it already. There are three styles then in this rhapsody that you have the the ballad, the operatic and the rock. And a good study technique is to lay out the structure for each of these styles 
and state two, three reasons for each. You know, for example, for the ballad, it tells a story with a simple accompaniment. For the opera, there's falsetto singing in the operatic section. You have use of Italian lyrics. The solo voice is alternating with the chorus, just as if they were on an operatic stage. Uh, the drums and the guitar feature more prominently in the rock section with really loud dynamics. You have use of the licks on the guitar. You have the standard rock backbeat on the drums, etc. So these are the reasons for why you're saying this section is in a particular style. But more importantly, mark out your structure and then delve into those particular styles. So I'd even suggest going one step further and then compare each of these sections with each other. Mm-hmm. And you see know, how they develop and change. How they develop. And Remember, mm-hmm. it is a rhapsody, you know, so yeah. it's those, what I was mentioning earlier, those episodes that have that distinct contrasting colours. And I'd, I'd lay out those sections under the various headings of the musical features, the recording techniques, the production techniques, whatever labelling you want to use, the instrumental techniques and, of course, the compositional techniques. So on those production techniques, the studio experimentation that this single is so famous for, how, to what extent do students need to be able to discuss this? Absolutely. The exam sometimes refers to them as recording or production techniques or processing effects. And there are many peppered throughout the work. Again, remember to describe the technique as how it is used in this work. There are many, for example, multi-tracking, where separate tracks can be recorded onto a machine to be mixed together into one track, such as, say, towards the end of verse two, leading into the first guitar interlude. Or another great example is where, again, the guitars are multi-tracked in the second interlude to give that powerful lead into the rock section. Panning is another recording technique used, but rather than just writing your answer, panning is the movement of sound between the speakers. Tell us how it is heard in this work. In other words, panning is heard in the introduction when the vocals sing little high, panned left, and little low, panned right. Listen out to the end of this excerpt now and see if you can hear this description in sound. Bohemian Rhapsody has so many, you know, virtuosic elements, musical elements, but what are the stark, the most important musical features to focus on when you're studying this work? I suppose it's really important to say we have no inside track and what may or may not be asked on the exam. But if there are clear features inherent in the work, well, then you, the student, should be able to discuss them. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's the ammunition you need in writing an exam question. And the one thing about Queen, and I, 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 I'm even afraid saying it, but even more so than any of the, all of the works, in fact, it is just bursting with features in every single bar, you know, and far too many for us to reference here. But if you categorise them into the following headings, keep listening to them, keep finding them in your score, it will help you to remember them. So, for example, to throw a few at you, uh, word painting. So one such example is where the sound waves are taken apart and then put back together and you create this whoosh, whooshing sound, you know. This is a recording technique called flanging and it's used here to paint the lyric 
any way the wind blows. That first uh, statement of any way, we know it's heard a few times, but any way the wind blows earlier on, uh, let's take a listen to that. Shivers Down My Spine, another great example of word painting. Now, this one has created a lot of conversation in the music world because if you look at some of the scores, it says on the score that to use a bell tree to create this effect. But we know from seeing and listening to live interview footage with Brian Main talking about it, that how he actually created the effect was he played over the bridge of the guitar to achieve this effect. So in your answer, maybe you could refer to this as a bell tree-like effect. You yes. Know, and that's a nice way to be able to describe that. Maybe we could have a listen to that as well. Other examples of word painting, um, simply because I've already referenced anyway, the wind blows. But if you think just, I know we can all hear it in our heads, even as I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah, you're very, singing it. That in very your last bar, you know, anyway, the wind blows. What do you hear? You hear the gong. You know, it's just that final dissipation of sound or it's just dispersing and it's gone, you know. So you also have uh, another example of word painting is you have the cymbal crashes, the bass drums, you have the accented rising big chords on the no, 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 like you're left under no illusion that the answer is no, you know, just from the use of that amazing uh, uh, instrumentation of all of those instruments. And then, of course, uh, one final example that I could give you is the use of drums and the crash cymbals. And there's no other way to describe it, but the hammering bass octaves in the piano, in the operatic section. And it's really denoting the thunderbolt and the fear of lightning, you know. So this is how composers really bring the, the, the word or painting or the mood of what they're trying to create to life. Uh, vocal features is another category. You know, be able to talk about the a cappella or the unaccompanied opening, the close vocal harmonies when when he sings. Is this the real life? Uh, you also have another vocal feature in the falsetto singing of Galileo in the operatic section. You have the antiphonal singing between the solo, I'm just a poor boy, answered by all those backing vocals with he's just a poor boy in the operatic section. And uh, maybe it's mainly syllabic singing yes. throughout. Yeah, you know, as opposed to the melisma that we would exactly. have heard in Bach yeah, and yeah, things yeah. like that. Exactly. Um, and then one instrumental technique that... You wouldn't hear straight off, you know, you take, sometimes you have to sharpen or maybe turn up your listening uh, skill. And when you do find it in the score, it's just a gorgeous moment. And it's the glissando or that descending slide heard on the guitar. You know, it's really, really effective and it happens in a few places. I'm not going to tell you where you're going to go and find it, but do listen out for that glissando. Um, we know that electric guitarists love to bend the string, yes. you know, really pull on the string and give it that kind of kind of a sound. You'll find that's another instrumental technique. Remember, instrumental technique is all about how the instrumental it's, instrument is played. But let's not forget about the piano. You know, you have those maestoso, those majestic staccato 
staccato chords, that A major chord, just very detached leading into that majestic operatic section. Other features that you'll hear here are maybe you could reference if you're asked specifically about melodic features, you have repeated notes. A repeated note would be a melodic feature and you can hear that in the opening section. Is this the real life? You have lots of stepwise movement. There's endless supplies of references that you can hear throughout the work. Chromatic notes are also widely used and chromatic notes would be a melodic feature throughout. So in the vocals in easy come, easy go and also in the ascending bass lines, for example, face the truth at the end of verse two. Another melodic feature is sequence. And, you know, there's descending sequences heard in the guitar, in the guitar interlude, you know, that opening one in E flat. You can nearly hear it in your head yeah. as you're chatting. And of course, the use of riffs. And we talk about riffs, riffs yes. the repeated pattern, like that unifying motif that everybody can hear in the head. And it's 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 heard throughout the ballad on the piano with that broken da 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 da, that broken chord. But then it's answered by that sine octave just at the end. And that's such a beautiful melodic feature uh, uh, and a riff used throughout the work. Um, one more that I might talk about are the rhythmic features. You know, it's a, it's rock, it's pop. It, there's loads of examples of syncopation throughout. There's strong use of triplets in crotchets, say, for example, in the rock section to emphasise each of the lyrics. You know, as Freddie says, do you think you can stow me? You know, that feeling yes, of yeah, delaying yeah. the triplet in the crotchet. He's really emphasising the mood of what he's trying to say there. Um, and the other one that I love and particularly my students love it as well is the syncopated octave leap in the guitar after he sings. So you think you can stone me and spit in my eye. You have this octave leap in the guitar, but it's syncopated and it's on a D flat. So it's almost denoting the spit, you know, just that really crispy, you know. Um, don't worry for those of you listening. We're not spitting here, but it is that <laughs> it is that sense. There's just so much to talk about, actually, in nearly every bar of this score and lots that I haven't referenced here. But just to recap, mark out your headings of the recording techniques, the word painting, the vocal features, the instrumental techniques or features, the melodic and the rhythmic features, what instruments are being used or, and indeed any other heading that your teacher has shared with you. And as you listen, jot them down jot down what you hear into the relevant group. But most importantly, don't leave Queen. Asher, I'll do that in no time. Do get it on your ear. There's so much more in that piece that you have to actually listen out for. Before we go, any final words of wisdom? Well, one I'd suggest, as Ethel just kind of referred to there, is write out those lyrics and create a new document of your own. Leave spaces below the lyrics for you to fill in as you're listening. Highlight the lyrics, fill in what you're hearing and design your own, very own graphic score of Bohemian Rhapsody. And the most important secret to success is to really know that music inside out. So again, back to listening 50 times and then another 50. Yes, and I'm sure everyone has already listened to it 50 times. Well, it's well worth listening we to. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. That's it for the RT Lyric FM LC podcast. Mary, Ethel, thank you and good luck to everyone. Yeah, very yeah. best of good luck. Thank you for listening to this episode of the RTE Lyric FM Leaving Cert Music podcast, hosted by me, Sive Downs, with guests Ethel Glancy and Mary McFadden. This podcast was produced by Gail Henry.
You can listen to the rest of the episodes in this series on the RTE radio app.